Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode number 271. Another episode you get to enjoy and watch on our YouTube channel via Zoom. Billy Duffy, do you like these Zoom interviews? Do you, do you prefer to be kind of a, you know, behind the scenes, like do radio? That's how I am, old school, theater of mind. But now everyone's um, face to face. I mean, well, you, you have to make more effort, don't you? You know, I mean, if you'd have seen me about 45 seconds ago, um, I didn't look remotely as presentable as <laughs> I hope I do now. Um, you know, yeah, you have to make a bit of an effort. I, I don't know. I, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I, I mean, at least I don't have to leave my house, so that's a win. But, you know, I, I, I guess I like radio. I don't know. Pe- people have changed. Things have changed. People communicate now c- commonly using FaceTime. I hate it when somebody calls me, like, FaceTime. Right. Or some, and it's actually, first of all, I hate it when people call me. I feel like <laughs> these days it's like text first. I know, right? You know, right? Then it's when they do it FaceTime. It's like, how do you assume that I'm even ready to be visually? (laughs) (laughs) Do you know? (laughs) So, um, you know, as you can probably tell, I'm just becoming a bit of an old geezer. I, you know, I'm I'm the same way. I'm not uh I'm not up there. I'm not as seasoned as a vet as you. Let's say that. uh, Prefer to old geezer, but I'm the same way. Um, I FaceTime maybe like my family, but that's about it. But with with podcasting, yeah. with radio, I mean, it's kind of cool. Otherwise, you really don't get to know who you're talking to. So you get to see me, I get to see you, and hopefully uh, establish a lifelong friendship. Yeah, I, I like it. I've gotten used to it. I'm kind of joking. I mean, I, I I've gotten used to it now. So, um, you know, I, I, you know, I've, I've always been a person who of, of, hates looking at myself, believe it or not. So believe, that's not I, I a great myself, thing. Sure. Well, you're a handsome you know, you're I a handsome think, bloke, I think a lot of people say. can share that uh, that sentiment. You know, most rational people tend to be a little less keen on seeing themselves. So uh but but other than that, it's okay. It's cool. It's just what really got me thinking about, you know, where we are and it's just a natural you know, I, I started the conversation mm-hmm. talking about Zoom and, and how we 'cause mm-hmm. it's it's it relates to how you recorded this new album. And how oh, okay, we recorded yeah, the first yeah. one, I always has a, I yeah. always have a method to my madness. In 1999, because okay, yeah. you know the internet wasn't you know obviously as, as prevalent, so yeah, how, yeah. How, was it just time now that with all the uh, ability to record wherever you can for this long-awaited sequel? Well, it was funny. Yeah. Well, um, what, what happened? Well. It's interesting. It's it, it's actually a, a twofold answer. The initial the initial thing why me and Mike got back together to do the second color sound record was that I did send him a riff um, using. I love the 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 phone thing you can do now. Just record riffs into your phone. Mm. I used to have like it's one of these like Walkman recordable professional Walkmans and I used to record things onto cassettes and then put them on a cassette to cassette double boombox I had and edit down and then I'd go into rehearsals with my band and 
I'd edit the best versions of the new songs onto a master cassette so we'd have this running demo. Because otherwise you've got cassettes with about four hours of meaningless twaddle and one little bit. So every night I would come home from rehearsals and religiously do it. These days you can do it all bosh, bosh, bosh with the phone, which makes it easier. But but so So in answer to your question... Initially, we did we did a colour sound thing and we also did one of those very um, impressive recordings where the drummer's in one city, I'm in another city, and my piece. And we cobbled something together like that for a re-recorded version of an early colour sound song. And it was just following on um, from the initial thing where me and Mike had started writing together. And pre the lockdown in the UK. Um, so we started new school and then of course to actually record it we went back to the old school which is like people in a room together which i think is kind of for what for what we were trying to do with this record which is basically a honest rock and roll record i think he's still the best methodology to do it for those who don't know the history, uh, how did you and Mike Peters, who I'm grateful has also been a guest on this podcast from The Alarm, how, how did you two cross paths in, in 1999 and first make that album? Because you were already established musicians at that point. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we were both out of a job, I think. Uh, That'll at do the it. Time. We, both, we both lost our day jobs. But actually, well, I'd... Um, Mike Mike had left the alarm in the early 90s and I didn't know him super well. I'd met guys from the alarm. I don't know whether I'd met Mike at that point. I might have done. We weren't friends. And then I ended up, the cult broke up in, in 95 and I just ended up going back to the UK to live for a while. I just was kind of in a phase of my life. My instinct was to go quote unquote home. So I was back in England and just kind of sort of trying to discover who like Billy Duffy was rather than Billy Duffy guitar player from the cult, which is what I'd been for about 13 years without a break. And I just sort of went home, got back to my roots and I kept seeing Mike at these festivals. I would go to these cool English festivals like the Phoenix, Glastonbury, where I would go along and you kind of camp in tents and it's like a whole proper festival vibe. And it was very social. And um, me and Mike just got met, met doing that. And also as part of that scene, there was like a five-a-side soccer football kind of thing going on. Okay. And I would play because I, I, I somehow managed to be half decent at that uh, as I got older. And, um, I would play in these charity games, you know, as uh, associated oh, with festivals. And Mike did too. So we kind of just became friends like that. And he said, hey, um, you know, I'm, I'm up in North Wales and I know that you've got a place near Manchester in Cheshire. Why don't you come around one time? We'll go for a, go for a hike, hmm. which what those British people like to do, you know, a ramble. Uh, ramble on, as it were. We like <laughs> to go for a hike in the hills and... Um, as Britain's not as, you know, huge as America, you can do that quite easily. You know, in a day, go for a good old hike, sure. get yourself knackered and, and come home for a mug of tea and a big fry up. Because actually last weekend, uh, just to mm. deviate and relate, my my girlfriend, my, my, my fiance mm. and I, we went upstate to New York. We had to drive three hours right. and she went hiking. You know, I'm too, right. I'm, oh, I, yeah. I can't do it. But So she went hiking. I, she loves to do it, but we have to, it's not as, I can't hike in Queens. 
you know <laughs> yeah no no it's not an urban thing it was actually it was actually kind of a respite for me from the urban nature of how i'd been living you know in i'd found as the longer i spent doing the things that people dream of which is doing rock and roll gigs going out having fun hotels airports planes buses the occasional limo um <laughs> Not so many, um, and uh, not as enough private jets, I might add. Um, that you know, I started. It's funny how the human condition is you start just wanting to do normal stuff, you know, mm. like, like any people dream of the lifestyle, and I understand why, but when you actually get that lifestyle and you do it for about you know, um, over a decade straight, pretty much without a break, which is how the cult operated, um. Pretty much a decade we did without really any respite. Um, you know, it's funny how you, the mind wanders, you know, and mm. you start thinking of doing all the stuff, you know, and, you know, just bizarre. Oh, I want to go camping. I want to get out of here. I don't want to see another hotel. You know, it's just bizarre. Just stupid, funny stuff that happens, you know, because there's no manual, there's no brochure. Mm. You don't get like a brochure when you're in a rock band or the creative arts of any kind. You know, yeah, like, you know, right, you have a regular job. And if you work in that regular job in, say, a corporate environment or a business, you put a certain amount of time, sweat, equity and good behavior. You know, pretty much by the time you end up being a certain age, you will have achieved certain financial security. There's the things the path is pretty much laid out and signposted. Whereas if you choose, you know, to make money creatively, um, and you, you know, in whatever way, it, it's it's really not. So it's an interesting thing that you don't, you probably don't think of it at the time. Who knows? I didn't know. I didn't know my my band was going to make it. Nobody does. It's uh, it's such a cliche, but one day at a time, or a few decades at a time, until you can start breathing <laughs> again. Uh, yeah. I want to yeah, get yeah. in. Uh, because I got people were excited to, to hear from you, and thank you for retweeting okay. me the other day. You know, I, I tagged that you were on, and any questions, uh, you know, if anyone had, yeah, 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 fire away. So this is from our Mind of Grace at Blood of Sun. So how does the composition process uh, work for you in the cult versus color sound? Is it kind of the same? You know, how do the inputs, uh, approaches, oh, styles okay. make that, a difference? That, no, that's a great question. Yeah. It's it's very similar. Um, probably with the call, he, Ian, Ian can play guitar, but he doesn't, he, and he comes up with bits, but not as much as Mike Peters. Mike, Mike's played guitar pretty much since day one. I mean, I think he originally was a bass player when the alarm started or before that in a punk band. So he, Ian can play, but generally with the call, I mostly do the music. Ian comes up with some amazing ideas though. He, he, the funny thing about Ian is I like the fact that he, and, and I mean this in the kindest way, he's not an accomplished guitar player. It's brilliant because he comes up with these really great, simple, cool riffs that I would never think of, mm-hmm. you know, because I like to consider myself a guitar player. <laughs> Whereas he just comes up with this stuff, you know, like in the last Cult album, he came up with um, uh, Deeply Ordered Chaos. Everybody thinks that's that my riff. It's not, it's his. Mm-hmm. It's like, and I was like, wow, that's great. Let's make something out of that. And, you know, it, 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 I've, I've been fortunate with Ian and I'm fortunate with Mike Peters that it's just a very open, collaborative thing. And in general terms, I do the music and they react with with vocals and melodies, 
you know that, that in essence that's it but there are slight differences and I think we might Pete as he sometimes saves up a couple of ideas that aren't appropriate perhaps for the alarm or for him solo and um, so that you know but for the most part you know, in colour sound, Mike just wants, you know, wants a day off from playing guitar. So he's like, I just want to be a rock singer. <laughs> you be guitar hero. I'll be a rock singer. I don't have to worry about guitars or all this other stuff I do in my I other like career. And I can just like focus on, you know, really belting out the vocals. So, you know, it's a good, it's a good harmonious situation, but that's a great question. And and the thing is that, that you know, there are no... In the cult or colour sound, there are no Billy Duffy or Mike Peters or Ian Asprey songs. They're all collaborative, done together, um, just very openly and very comfortably. We've never had any problems about, no, that's my bit, and that's your bit, and I want this, and you should, you know, we've never had any of those troubles. It's just been very cool. Right on. And I, I'm going to use that collaborative idea, because mm. that was one of the themes that I, why I had Mike uh, my Peters on. And right. if you notice the name of my podcast, I use a six degrees of, instead of Kevin Bacon, if you've heard that phrase, uh, six yeah. degrees of, of Guns N' Roses Bacon. You know, what is your okay. connection? So with, with Mike, yeah, yeah. he's, you know, he's played with Duff, Kings of Chaos, which you have done as well. Yeah. So yeah, I, yeah. Uh, if you can just talk about your time with Kings of Chaos, did you do that with Mike Peters or are you in that band that's that no, no, at different no, times? No, no, I never. I don't, I don't think Mike, I don't think Mike did anything with Kings of Chaos. I mean, I, I played okay. with, I don't, don't think Mike did. I'm not, I'm not, what am I not with? for me to say. Hmm. I think Kings of Chaos was more, um, well, Duff played in that. Everybody it was all like the rock and roll guys, you know, that I knew from that period of my life. Um, that we'd get together and, and and I loved being involved in Kings of Chaos or the Hollywood All-Stars or whatever. Those things are so much fun for me because I have zero responsibility. Mm. I am not a band leader. I am just really a, a foot soldier of rock and I show up and I have a really good time. And the thing is, um, how can I put this uh, in the, how do I want to say this? Those type of bands, there are there are no victims. They're all volunteers. Everybody's there because they want to be. Everybody's there because they like playing rock music. They want to do gigs and entertain people, and they get together. And you know, the guys who, shall we say, struggle with some of the aspects of being in a band and don't perhaps enjoy it as much as others, they stay home. So everybody is on one of those shows is there very willingly and in a great collaborative, positive vibe. Or else they wouldn't be there. They could stay home. You know, it's it's not... So all those type of bands, Camp Freddy, which was a thing done in LA right. by a bunch of guys, that, you know, that, that started a lot of that kind of all-star thing. Um, it was all fun, you know, and done with the best of intentions, you know, and just to have a good time and there was a palpable sense of relief that everybody was there and was smiling and doing it because they were having fun. It might've been, which isn't always the case in bands, kids, <laughs> you know, I've, I hate to break it to you, but there are bands that I know breaking that news. The band cannot stand each other and will not be in the same room ever mm. until they walk on stage and do a big fake Hollywood grin, give themselves a nice big hug, fake, and then go off and run away and never see him again. So the next time they do the big fake Hollywood grin on stage and pocket a load of money, 
That's just show business, the business of show. Uh, that, that's why I like the, the Kings of Chaos and, and, and uh, the Camp Freddy, because it's just the love of the music, the love of each other as, as musicians. You know, yeah, you're, totally. you're not dealing with totally. all that other BS. So it's, it, it's nice because everyone, in, they're, yeah. you're all all stars. Like you don't have to do it. You know, to do that, you're just playing. Not at all. Playing. No, it's it's people. No, people elect to do that. So that's basically the the key underpinning of all of that. I mean, it's a business, and people get paid, and there's this and that. But in general terms, it, it, it's done for the fun of it and the love of kind of rock and roll. So you know, that, that's why I like to be involved. Plus, I have zero responsibility, which is great for me because obviously, having been a kind of joint band leader of the cult for many decades that come leadership comes with responsibilities and pressures um that are cool but it's nice to have a break from being the boss or one of the bosses you know if i can ask before we get back to the album and just keeping with the uh, uh, the, the gnr bacon and you know speaking of the cults okay oh i, I got, got fun stories got yeah black bacon canadian bacon i got gnr i got all sorts of bacon <laughs> with gnr as you well know because yeah. I could, I think you might be a GNR fan by the looks of the things behind you. I, uh, you think? Yeah, you. So you know, we go back. Yeah, back to back to the 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 old dinosaurs when dinosaurs roamed the earth, <laughs> and oh, they yeah. were all on the same. And Guns and Roses all traveled on the same bus. Yeah, I have dinosaur toys though yeah. on the other side of my apartment, just to, <laughs> just to show you. So it, this is just for you know. I was telling our our buddy Ken, this is just for aesthetics. You know, it's a. Yeah, yeah, he's no judges, man. I love Guns N' Roses. The cult <laughs> love Guns N' Roses. Ian asked them to come and play with us in the 80s. So how did that... Is there any fun... Because I'm not a, a dirt-looking guy. Is there any like fun stories, perhaps, from that time when, when GNR opened for the cult? Anything? We got, we got up to a lot of shenanigans. There was definitely one time... I'll tell you one little quick anecdote on that, because you know I can tell you, Keen, and the name of the podcast and stuff. So we do San Antonio, Texas. It's called the Sunken Garden. Mm-hmm. It's a venue in San Antonio. It's still there. It's called the Sunken Garden. It's some sort of municipal uh, garden, like horticultural thing with a stage. So um, we go, we play it, and there's cops at the side of the stage, and they're big on profanity, apparently. So they give us a warning, both singers from both bands, about profanity and lewd behavior on stage. It's like something from a movie on the doors in like 1970. It's like, is this really happening in 1987? You know, we were like, what? And um, so so Guns N' Roses go on, do the show. You know, they're the opening act, special guest. Axel does whatever Axel does every night, which I'm sure includes a few swear words. You know, a few mother Fs and this and that. <laughs> Nothing. Asprey goes on stage. We do our set. He doesn't ish- utter one swear word because he never does. It's just not Ian's stick, mm. right? But he's got an English accent, right? So we come off. These cops come backstage. They, and we kind of lock the step dressing room door because we hear rumours that the cops want to talk to Ian. And this is not a good thing. And they're not what they're to say, you know, these days the cops usually come and tell us how much they enjoy the band and grew up listening to us. But in the old days, mm. we were considered dangerous. So they were like to, dangerous to them, I guess. So they come in there after Asprey. And then, so if, this is true story. Ian climbs out of the cult's dressing room window, which is on the first floor, with a baseball hat on, climbs down a drain pipe, gets on Guns N' Roses tour bus and leaves with them. 
Nice. Cops come in the room. They're going, where's your singer? We're, oh, we don't know. We haven't seen him. He, he just went off stage and, I don't know, vanished. And they're going, so they, <laughs> they're going, we, we have... We have evidence that he is, um, issued the words. Um, during the performance, he issued the words. And this is, I remember the quote because I was like, what on earth is they talking about? So he issued the words, sucking C-O-C-K-S in Amsterdam. I'm like, really? Like, <laughs> That's so random. Yeah, like, A, why is that illegal? And B... Um, <laughs> he didn't say that. Why, but anyway, so... That, but that was a true story. He did... Uh, the actual profanity in question never got uttered. It was just bizarre, man. It was like a weird... And stuff like that would happen all the time because, you know, we were young men and we were, like, drinking heavily and having fun. And But that was a true one. I remember San Antonio. That was the one that came to mind. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. That is uh, that is very fun and very funny. Uh, this is another question going back now to Color Sound. This is from our Dark mm-hmm. Hollow. Um, assuming, you know, things are opening up, are there going to be live yep. shows later this year? Um, Any plans? I, yeah, I, I think the thing with Color Sound is we just have to find a, a, an opportunity and a sort of a reason to, to, to do them in that the cult are still active and Mike's very active with the alarm and his own solo career. So it's more a question of finding the time because, you know, we have to put the band together, routine the songs. There's no muscle memory there, really, for Colour Sound. It's just me and Mike, you know, one album in 99 and one album now that's not even out yet. So we would have to hopefully find an event that was worthy of rehearsing a whole band. And then if you rehearse for one gig, it would make sense to do more. So Mm. the willingness is there. It's just a question of finding the right time. And also when possibly maybe better when things relaxed a little bit more and uh, there's a little less uncertainty around gigs and indoor venues and stuff like that. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. You know, people are going out and touring and I'm happy to let them be the rock and roll guinea pigs. You know, I'm good till it all calms down. And, mm. you know, I'm not I'm not a kind of person that wants to do gigs that have the atmosphere of a sound check. You know, until a gig can be really kind of worthy, I, I, I'm not personally interested in taking part. But I know people are going out there and hopefully, you know, I think most people think realistically next year. That's what all, I was thinking. I was surprised that so many. I know we're all chomping at the bit, but just to see the uh, the wave of concerts being announced. Well, there's good. Like, you know, okay, as I tell right. anybody, it's really there's, there's still only seven days in a week. There's all these new bands have formed. There's all these old bands that are still going. There's bands who've reformed who probably shouldn't because they need to pay their bills. <laughs> there's all this music, and there's still only seven days in a week. There's still only one Friday night, one Saturday night. So you can imagine. It's now a cat fight. And, it, and, and plus, all the infrastructure for touring has kind of been put in mothballs or gone. So all the things required to put a band on tour, the, the support industries of lights, sound, transport, road crews, you know, they've all gone for two years. There's been nothing. So, so it's going to be an interesting time. You know, I'm, I'm kind of sitting back uh, and wishing everybody the very best to, to, to get it together right now. Well, if anything, if anyone else, and I respect that completely, uh, hmm. we can sit back and pre-order right now the new Color Sound because it's not out until oh, like, yeah, J- yeah, July yeah, that, 16th. No, that, right? That's yes, a, you, yes, you can. In that the comfort of your own home, <laughs> enjoy it. Uh, 
from the comfort of your home. I mean, I'd lo- don't get me wrong. I, no, I mean, I've done touring ever since I was, young, you know, old enough to get out on the road. I'm one of the guys that actually likes it. Um, I enjoy touring once I'm out there. I don't, I don't enjoy packing for a tour sure. and I don't enjoy coming back off the road. But <laughs> the transition, I don't transition very well. But um, once I'm out there, I love it. You know, once I'm in the mode on the pirate ship with the guys, you know, well, I'm I, rolling around. I like it. The, the gigs, the gigs are the thing, and the, and the reaction mm-hmm. these days. I think the biggest change for me is I actually get a lot more enjoyment out of the reaction of the fans to the music. I think as a young fellow, you take it all for granted, and you just like, where's mine? Where's the party? Where's whatever substance? Whatever girls? Whatever? Whatever it is you think you need. The music's part of the picture. I think now, as a, 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 I like to feel as a more uh, seasoned performer, I really get a lot back. Because the music is now, as me and Ian, you know, we wrote those songs. I mean, all the guys you know in bands, it belong, they belong to the fans now, you know, and to see them enjoy them is the reason why I really get up and do it nowadays, is to see the reaction of people to the classic cult songs that have seemingly brought them a lot of joy, you know. I know there are a lot of bands already, you know, deserving to be in the Rock and Hall of Fame. The Cult, I believe, yeah. is one of them. I mean, do you, is that something you you think about? No, no, I've never. Um, the Cult have never won an award. We've won one award in our entire career. Hmm. One. That sounds so weird. Uh, not really. We've always been an As outsider a fan does, band. I get. Yeah, it, we're, we're like an underground. I like it. I mean, it's the cult, isn't it? It's not. You know. I mean, it, it, we are literally. You know, we're kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm. Yeah. Um, that's just how we are. Uh, I've, I've come used to. We won one award for for American College Radio Single of the Year, nineteen eighty-five. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> for She Sells Sanctuary, and. Ian grabbed it and we got it. I got a, me and him got a peck on the cheek off Yoko Ono for it, and we were given. And that is the only award, to my knowledge, the cult have ever won in thirty more years of. Which is kind of funny, but it's got to the point now where I'm reveling in the um, the, the underdog. Uh, it's great to be. I think we've been more of an influencer, really, than anything. We don't get, you know, mm. you, you, you'll notice in your Grammy nominations the cult are never there, but that's because. We've always been signed to an English independent label, really. All our classic albums, even though our albums came out on Warner's and Sire in America and Polygram in Canada, we've always been signed to this English indie label called Beggar's Banquet, Hmm. which has an incredible roster of any band worth listening to has been through Beggar's Banquet since 1977 when they started as a punk label. But anyway, you know, a lot of these awards, um, I think are to do with who you know, who your manager knows, who your record label know, who goes out to lunch with who. You know, there there seems to be a certain amount of um, nepotism and uh, other isms in all that. And and I have no no bitterness whatsoever about it. I laugh about it because it's funny. I can tell. You know. I can, I can tell and you are. Uh... I'm not like, oh, bitter, why did they get it? I mean, it's all kind of meaningless anyway. As long as people... You know, what matters to me is somebody who spends five weeks painting a mural of the cult on the side of their co- coffee bar in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Or, a pic, you know, somebody, that's what matters to me, the fact that people show up and see us without all those kind of plaudits. We're not the kind of band that, you know, 
It's like, I mean, think of Black Sabbath. Before Black Sabbath, everybody loved Black Sabbath, but before Ozzy did a TV show, Black yeah. Sabbath, you know, it was Led Zeppelin that got all the, you know, they were the golden gods. Black Sabbath were just some ugly blokes from Birmingham. You're right. You know, who basically invented heavy metal, pretty much. Yeah, that's about so, the mainstream look at know, them. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but that Ozzy became a mainstream TV personality and that became the kind of cartoon thing. And, it, you know, whatever. Well, it's all good. You, you helped uh, reshape my, my thought process. I like that. The self-fulfilling prophecy of the cult and the underdog and the influence. Uh, yeah. I And if I had an I award I, I, if I had an award back here I can give you, I would. I guess uh, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, we did a tour in 93, actually, where we played with Guns N' Roses and we uh, played for Metallica. We opened for both of those bands. We were special guests and we did a tour. We, we, we called it the Hair of the Underdog. Hmm. I like that. Tour. So some of the fans know that. Around 93. And we were, we were having a lot of fun with it because at the time Guns N' Roses were like bigger than the Rolling Stones, you know. And we were struggling to pay off bills from the tour we'd done before because it was just funny. We had a good laugh. But, we you know, we revel in that a little bit, I think. I think deep down me and Ian kind of like the fact that we're a bit, you know, we're the underdog team. I, I love it. And, and Billy, this was an honor. I've been a fan of yours for so long. Uh, I hope oh, we, get the, we get to do this again. I know you're super busy. Uh, and I hope no, no, when no. things open up, you know, Color Sound comes here. I haven't seen the cult since you guys opened for Aerosmith. Like, you know, oh, it was years geez. ago. I know, I know, I know. It's been years. Many moons ago. I know. Many so moons. I, I got a guy. It's We got to get the show on the road. Uh, <laughs> well, so absolutely. Say. I mean, Color Sound's a lot of fun. I really hope we can do some shows. I, I'm almost certain the cult will do more shows. You know, I'm looking forward to doing some gigs with Mike if we can. Um you know, it's all, it's just, I can't make it, I don't want to make any false promises, sure. but the, the willingness is there to do them. And, and that's kind of what we do. You know, it's, I'm not going to change my lifestyle choice now. No. So sure um, I hope to see everybody out there who wants to come and see us, if we can get it together soon. Right on. Well, thank you, Billy. And thanks for everybody for hanging out. All right, Brando. On another edition of Appetite for Distortion. Uh, who will the next guest be the next episode? Well, in the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy. You'll see it, I don't know, as soon as the word. Thanks to the lame-ass security, I'm going home.